honor it is for me to get to speak to you every morning for two hours. And then do it again in the afternoon for three. I mean, I keep hearing that I am canceled and all that stuff, but I don't know. I seem to show up. Uh, I'm like Costanza going to work where he's been fired. He just, he just keeps showing up. Hey, it is. Don't. At, God dang it. At me. It's in the morning. You get real here. That's what we do. We get real here. A lot of you don't like it. But we get real here, and that's just what we do. By the way, are your gas prices under five bucks? Good for you, man. But hey, until they go down three pennies, it's not going to be our president's issue. Uh, It's not. When they go down three pennies, ladies and gentlemen, then you will see the bragging come about. And people ask me, let me clear something up. People ask me, Dan, you talk politics now. Why didn't you do that when Trump was in office? Well, I was working at ESPN. Guys that looked like me weren't allowed to comment. Hell, uh, I got called in for commenting on the political debate. Oh, yeah. You look like me? You ain't commenting on politics at ESPN. That's just the way it is. So now I'm without kick and my genius gets to shine over everyone. <laughs> hey, last night, you know, this is the best day of the year right here, right now. Today, this day, we've got games that start at noon on every channel you can find. And it doesn't end till about two in the morning. Now go to my Twitter account at Dan Dockage, and I'm going to get you some winners. Last night, the only winner that I got was Clemson, but we're still up. We didn't lose money last night. We made 30 bucks last night. We had a chance a couple times. We live bet in the middle. So the race is now 580. I'm sorry, 480 is what we have on our race to 5,000. I got a good feeling about this. I'm taking Nevada and I'm giving the four and a half. But let's talk about last night. I mean, last night, all you got to do is this. When I look, and right now, I'm looking at Kyrie Irving. He's on my television. Kevin Durant. Oh, man, you know. Kevin Durant always looks miserable. You know who's not miserable? Those players last night in college. Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah. No, those guys last night, they were not miserable. You know who wasn't miserable? Lamont Paris, man. Lamont Paris is the head coach of Chattanooga. He's going to join us. Can't wait for that one. Look, at the end of the day, At the end of the day, here's what you got to be able to do in champ week. You got to be able to play game after game after game, and you get in a rhythm. All right, I've got a bunch of games I want to get to, but it's not on our thing here. I got to start with the best. Like, I'm not one of those guys that likes the little scrappy guy. Nuh-uh. I like excellence. Hey, I'm fourth team all conference. Can I make the team? No. Go to the frat party. That's it. Just go, go to the frat party. Do your thing. I like excellence, and excellence in college basketball is not defined by Duke. It's defined by Gonzaga. Uh, 82-69 last night. They avenged a defeat, and I got to tell you, Randy Bennett's squad, St. Mary's, is pretty good. I mean, really good. But I've got to start there because, frankly, I'm an excellence guy. I'm sorry. I know we're all supposed to like the third team all-conference. Golly, I get in the stance. No, I never liked him. Always thought he was a little pain in my ass when I played. Go for 60 on him, and then, you know, away we go. But, 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 
I do appreciate greatness. Last night, you saw it. You saw it a couple different places. And back to Kyrie Irving, and I know I don't really think I was supposed to, I was scheduled to talk about this, but the dude did drop in 50. And when you drop in 50, I am all good with you, and you need to be mentioned. No matter how weird you are with the flat earth. And, but look, if you're listening to NBA players uh, for your science, and you're an idiot. You're the same people that can't differentiate between Joe Biden's the president now and t- Trump used to be the president. But anyway, I digress. I'm all over the ice today because I'm fired up. I got a workout and I got my docket cycles for the city shirt. All right. Bellarmine Jacksonville, weird deal. Uh, Scotty Davenport has been a great coach for a long time for Bellarmine. He has been a great coach. Division two national champs. All right. They go to division one. The NCAA puts this rule in where you got to wait a few years to be eligible for the tournament. I personally don't agree with the rule, but again, the easiest thing in the world to do is to say, it's a stupid rule. I'm not in the meetings. I don't understand why it's in there, but I'm going to go with it. I know it's the NCAA. So all the little guys on your television are going to say, Hey, look, Uh, It's a bad rule because it's the NCAA. Fine. I don't care about the rule. I care that Scotty Davenport's team went and won a championship. Uh, They beat Jacksonville, which means Jacksonville State can go. Now, this is college basketball in a nutshell. The coach of Jacksonville State, Ray Harper, is a hell of a coach. Been caught cheating everywhere he's been. But do you think that matters in college basketball? Of course that doesn't matter in college basketball. What matters in college basketball? Yes, winning. When I hear everybody waxing philosophic about the glory of college basketball, the pureness, I go, yeah, Ray Harper's been caught cheating everywhere he's been. Not everywhere he's been, but enough that you make it sound like that. Game of the night, Wright State against Northern Kentucky. It was here in Indianapolis. First half, Northern Kentucky looked like gangbusters. Man! And then Wright State turned it on, baby. And Wright State, they're not going to win a game in the tournament. They're going to get demolished, but good for them. I talked about Gonzaga and St. Mary's. I got a lead. I should have led with them. But here's the deal with Gonzaga. I don't think they're a dominant team. I think they're good. I think Holgram's really good. Like the fact they can throw it to Drew Timmy. Like the fact that they're tough as hell. Uh, Bolton, eh, you know, he's on his third school. Eh. But anyway, I like their team. I am not in love with their team, if that makes any sense to you. Delaware, North Carolina, Wilmington. You know, in the middle of the season, North Carolina, Wilmington had a 12-game winning streak. I saw it get broke at the Fighting Phoenix of Elon. I never really bought into North Carolina, Wilmington, but they got a kid named Sims who was pretty good. Actually, very good. Delaware under Michael Inglesby. Listen to this story. So Martin Inglesby, Inglesby was a player under Mike Bray. Mike Bray was the coach at Delaware before he became the coach at Notre Dame. So Inglesby's getting his brains beat out earlier this year. All right? He tells his wife on the bus ride home, hey, look, I'm bringing a bottle of wine, We're going to drink our sorrows away. His wife says BS to that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to drink a bottle of wine, uh, but we're going to get these problems solved. You're going to figure out your damn problem. No drinking unless you're figuring out your problems. That's a woman that understands sports. That is. That's a dude that does what most coaches do. Just give me a night. And his wife said, nay, nay. No, no. And I'm sure I'm some kind of ist for saying that's a woman, but I don't know how else to say it. 
All right, so apologies, I guess. No, screw that. No apologies. That's a woman that understands sports. So what does Inglesby do? He gets his team straightened out. They're in the NCAA tournament with a four-point win over North Carolina Wilmington. It's a great story. Uh, Bryant and Wagner. The game was at Bryant. Wagner comes in, and this is college basketball. This is Twitter. This is all the stupidity. You know, on Twitter, every idiot can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it, to whomever they want to say it to. You know, we all know this. Hell, I got in trouble because some dad of some guy, of, of, a, of a kid, came at me. I didn't look at the bio. I came back at the kid and said, hey, man, grow." Uh, I called him a little guy, but I meant it at the dad. I ain't looking at a bio. Next thing you know, it's a kid. Hey, look, I don't know. All I know is this. People can say whatever they want to whomever they want, whenever they want. Well, I assume last night, the Bryant student section, uh, guess what they did? They said whatever they wanted to the Wagner team. And the Wagner team said, screw this. We're going to throw some hands. We're going into the crowd. I'm telling you, I'm not an advocate for going into the crowd, but I do think a lot of these young people need their ass beat a little bit. I do. I think a good old punch to the chops solves a lot of our world's problems. Don't kill anybody. Don't lose your mind. But I've had about enough of the smart asses. You know, I go to a game, you suck, Dockage, and then I look at the guy and he's ducking. You know, that guy, number one, where are your parents? Number two, uh, a good shot to the chops. Never hurt. Well, it did hurt people. I don't recommend it, but honest to God, I wouldn't prosecute you. And I guarantee you last night, the clowns in the student section at Bryant said some stupid stuff and continued to say it. They knew Wagner guys were getting, you know, a little itchy because they were down 30. And next thing you know, we got a melee. But it is college basketball. Let's be honest. You got a coach there wearing a jersey. I mean, look, college basketball has no more rules. Nobody cares about anything other than some 18 to uh, 23-year-olds making money. So really, what's the big deal? Uh, seriously, I mean, it's just, it's the way the world works today. It's what we are all about, right? We are about the greed. We are about anything that can make an 18 to 23-year-old make $250 going to the old, uh, I don't know, camper store. I mean, see, people were so excited during the Duke, North Carolina game. Did you see the Duke player that got to be in an ad? Good for him. That's all we care about. That's it. That's it. We don't care about nothing else. Just greed. And I'm not talking about you and me. I'm talking about the guys that you listen to. Really, college basketball has been unlistenable to this year. It's been awful in terms of announcers. And this is my first time actually listening to announcers. Swear to God, I've read more David Baldacci novels. Uh, I've read about six during basketball games because I turned the sound down. Because I don't want to hear all this crap. And then every commercial, some kind of social justice commercial. Good for you. Good for you. I'm sure I'm a bad guy, but I just want to watch hoops. I'm sure I'm awful. Do whatever you need to do to me. A uh, couple of things. Uh, I'm loving it. This affects me. And as you know, when it affects me, I got stuff to say about it. All right? The Colts have no quarterback. The Colts quarterback actually wasn't horrible. 27-7, Carson Wentz. So I'm not mad at the Colts quarterback like apparently the Colts are. All right, Colts are mad at their quarterback. They don't want their quarterback. All right, so people in Indianapolis said, well, we're going to get Russell Wilson. We're going to get Aaron Rodgers. 
as the great Lee Corso says, not so fast, my friends, not so fast. Um, here's the deal. Aaron Rodgers, well, let me go to Russell Wilson first. To get Russell Wilson, you're going to have to give up some draft capital. As uh, you know, I'm an NFL insider. It says so on my Twitter bio. It does. It says so right on my Twitter bio. I mean, if the clowns that work in the NFL can be NFL insiders, then certainly I can be an NFL insider. I mean, I talk to uh, Chris, or, uh, Chris Ballard all the time. I had Ryan Grigson on my show. I mean, I'm an NFL insider as much as these clowns are. But anyway, I digress. So we wanted a really good quarterback here in Indianapolis. Well, we wanted Russell Wilson. Guess what? Russell Wilson just got traded. Guess to whom? Not the Colts. Guess who's sad? Me. Because I don't like Russell Wilson. I love Russell Wilson. Like, I want Russell Wilson with the football at the end of every game. Him, Brady always, Rodgers always, Wilson always, Used to be Roethlisberger, not so much late. But I'll take Russell. Hey, he might make a mistake. I don't care. But I feel good when Russell Wilson's got the ball in his hands late. Hey, look, I know. Whoa, oh, you dummy. You're so dumb, Donkich. I knew you were dumb. He threw an interception in the Super Bowl. Yes, he did. Yep, he did. But I'll still take him. So Russell Wilson ends up going, listen to this, for Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks at number nine, this year and in 23, two second-round picks and a fifth-round selection to the Seahawks for Wilson and a fourth-round pick. Wow. Let's go through this. I was actually going to do this tomorrow, but let's just go through this real quick. I mean, you can play along with me. How about these quarterbacks in the AFC? Like Russell Wilson said, hey, screw this. I am not afraid. I ain't afraid. Shoot, I'll come into the AFC. I mean, I think Lamar Jackson, again, I've said this forever. You can, you can give me Lamar Jackson. I'll be happy forever. But let's go through Josh Allen. I don't know if Mac Jones is any good. Feels like he is. Uh, Joey Burrow. I don't think the Steelers got anybody. I'm not all shot in the ass with that Wilson kid. Uh, I'm not all shot in the ass with Tua. He's just okay. Uh, I, Baker Mayfield. Mm. But Lamar Jackson will be back next year. Uh my division has nobody, but let's go through the West. Mahomes, Carr, Herbert, and now Wilson. What a freaking division. So you got Mahomes, Carr, Herbert, and you, you've got Wilson. Then you've got Jackson, Burrow, Josh Allen, and I guess you throw Mac Jones in there all on the one side. My Colts better get a hell of a defense rolling. Because that's some quarterback play on the, on the, in the AFC. And good for Russell Wilson, man. He got rid of his trade clause. He left an easier side. And away he goes. Good for him. Absolutely good for him. I tell you, I had a great year. You want to know who had a great year? Aaron Rodgers had a great year. Some little goof on SportsCenter. David Lloyd, I think is his name, just took a shot at uh, Aaron Rodgers because of his vaccine statements. And that's what you find. You find guys that couldn't find their ass with both hands taking shots at you when you don't do, particularly in the, in the incredible, incredibly left-leaning media. They're going to continue to take shots at you, but you know who rose above it all? Aaron Rodgers. Remember back when, when Aaron Rodgers was under attack by every little Libby? Remember when Aaron Rodgers lost 
uh, health accounts because he didn't say what everyone wants to say. I don't give a damn what everybody thinks. You have the right to do what you want in this country. And stop with the whole you're going to kill grandmas. I mean, that doesn't seem to have held water, at least in uh, Aaron Rodgers' world. But anyway, Aaron Rodgers went through all of that. Aaron Rodgers went through, you got to be canceled. You suck. Here's what you don't do. You don't apologize. You stand up, and Aaron Rodgers is the poster child for it. I mean, seriously, he is the poster child for standing up and saying, kiss my ass. This is what I did. This is why I did it. You know, in Indianapolis, we were mad. And it's, it, there is a race-based thing to this, at least in Indianapolis. Because in Indianapolis, we were mad. I mean, mad at Carson Wentz. He did not get vaccinated. Well, you know what happened as soon as Darius Leonard came out and said, hey, I didn't get vaccinated. I ain't getting vaccinated. It all shut down. Aaron Rodgers, an easy target. We know this. I mean, I guess I cannot, uh, I don't know. I guess I could be quiet and be scared and not say those things, but we all know it's true. And the funniest thing about uh, people and Aaron Rodgers is I got a guy in our YouTube chat. Aaron Rodgers rose up to lose again in the playoffs. Yeah, going to get $200 million. Going to have a lot of people with a lot of sense. Not crazy people. Not crazy people. But people with sense respect the living hell out of him because he had conviction. He stood for conviction and away you went. And I get it. People on chats that use fake names aren't going to understand that. Of course they're not. And I get that people on Twitter that use fake names, um, you know, I get it. They're not going to understand that. Hell, there was a woman today. Look at the libs of TikTok. I think she was a woman. I don't know. But she's trying to explain to the world that it is not gender. What is it called when you, when you, when you, when you, it's, it's called gender assigned, meaning, you know, you got a PP. It's not, you're not really a boy. You're assigned that gender by a doctor. The world is out of its freaking mind. And as much right as she has to stand up and speak, I've got the same kind of right to stand up and speak. Drives me nuts. Anyway, um, hey, by the way, Side note in the middle of all this, will somebody please take Malcolm Brogdon off the Pacers' hands? My God, late game last night, he did what Malcolm Brogdon does. Anyway, let's go through a couple of other things. So, Aaron Rodgers stands up. The media starts going nuts, right? He signed this deal. McAfee, who's played, and I, who've coached, said, wait a second, no deal's done. McAfee said it. I supported him. Ian Rappaport, this is a 200 No. And then finally, Rodgers came out and did what every athlete should do. There, it, it used to be you needed the Indy Star or the Omaha whatever or the New York Times. What it used to be athletes needed them. The circulation of the Indy Star is about 150,000. Circulation of Dan Dockage's Twitter is 153,000. I don't give a damn about the Indy Star. And Aaron Rodgers is in the millions. So he comes out and says, hey, look, no deal's done. No deal's done. What a year for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, some little slap, 13. And this guy on, on, our, on our YouTube chat isn't even first team all YouTube chat. He's like third team. Rodgers going to lose in the playoffs. Okay. Well, let's get, oh, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. 
he might lose in the playoffs. He owns the Bears. Uh, one of the all-time greats. First Ballot Hall of Famer. But third team all uh, YouTube chat says, oh, he's going to lose in the playoffs. <laughs> Not that great a year. Uh, okay. Going to sign for like hundreds of millions of dollars. Just was the MVP. Told everybody in the country to stick it up their backside. Didn't genuflect to the jackasses of the woke uh, cancel culture. And here he is. He's going to lose in the playoffs. Shut up, moron. Uh, Biden. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, Devontae Adams. This is another sad day. This is a sad day for me. Devontae Adams is a guy I want with the Colts. Devontae Adams is a guy that we all wanted for the Colts. But damn. Uh, Damn. Now he's tagged. Now I'm not going to get him. Come on. What the hell? Don't tag people. Make damn sure that you can come to the Colts. It's all we care about. Damn. Smart move. And one, I don't know if you noticed this. I'm sure you did. But I don't know if you noticed this. But um, one happened kind of right with the other. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, One happened, meaning Devontae Adams or Aaron Rodgers, right with the other. Does that make sense? That's no coincidence. None whatsoever. Hey, how's your gas prices? We had $6 yet? Seven? Where, where, where are we at? We got inflation out the yang. But hey, remember when Donald Trump said, grab them by... Yeah, I do. If you need morality out of your president, you're an idiot. That's all I'm going to say. Yesterday, a thing went around. A thing went around. Hey, Dylan, let's put it up, if you don't mind. Uh, a deal went around of Donald Trump, or not Donald Trump, of, uh, what's his name? Biden. He's got a couple guys in front of him. And a couple guys in front of him, two are African-American, and one is a white dude. I think he's a pilot. And this dumbass, no, I shouldn't say that. I do have respect for the presidential office. I apologize for that. But when when you're going through this, my man started talking about these three guys. And he couldn't be more racist when he did it. He said something to the effect of, hey, these two guys look like basketball players or athletes, and one guy looks like he's going to bomb you. It really is amazing, the stupidity that comes out of this man's mouth. But that's not the most amazing thing. We expect it by now. He's been talking racist since the 70s. I mean, anybody with a brain could take a look and see this guy has been a racist, a brutal racist since the mid-70s, early set, whatever, before he got hair plugs. But the truth of the matter is, that's not the most weird thing. The weirdest thing is how people blindly defend this stupidity by saying Donald Trump said worse. Maybe he did. I don't know. I was working at ESPN, man. ESPN wouldn't allow a guy to look like me to comment on politics. You couldn't look like me at ESPN and comment on politics. You, you couldn't say anything other than the, pub, uh, the public line. Like uh, Sage Steele, man, Sage Steele gets blasted. She got taken out of a thing that she started with about diversity in women in sports by someone named L. Duncan and Michael Reeves. 
because they didn't like her politics. I mean, it's amazing to me how we, in the, or they in the media, are so ridiculous. So, look, uh, we have an incredibly racist president who is incredibly incompetent, who has gas prices at $6, who has murder rates through the roof in our cities, who has not done what he said he was going to do, which is one, he's never said, and you can read this all over Twitter, he said he wasn't going to make any excuses, and his thing yesterday was all about excuses. Well, I can't do anything because Russia. Well, gas prices were way up before Russia. Murder rates were way up before Russia. And then we listen, apparently in Congress, to a group called the Squad, one of whom married her brother. Now, I'm telling you right now, if we put this, if we put Biden's comments and, and where we are as a country, if we put those alongside of the squad, one of them marrying her brother, you would not believe this in a movie. You, you simply wouldn't. You would not believe this. You'd be like, uh, no, that, that, no, um, that isn't right. That's no way that happened. You're telling me the American people, the greatest country ever, listens to a person, has a person making policy that married her brother. Okay. All right. You wouldn't believe it if Trump became president. I get it, man. I get the whole deal. But if they put a compilation, remember when they tried to cancel Joe Rogan? And Joe Rogan, um, they put, you know, the N-word, which I didn't defend Joe Rogan, by the way. I think you're an idiot if you say the word in any context. But anyway, um, remember when they did that? If you put all the racist stuff that Biden has said back to back to back to back to back to back to back, it is amazing to me how these folks, and there's a lot of them, just blindly defend how it, like I was brought up by school teachers. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I just don't understand how you can blindly support a party. Like why can't both parties have good ideas? It's amazing to me. Uh, Dan, the problem is you didn't bring the same energy during his presidency during Trump's presidency. Well, um, I was working at ESPN. And anybody that knows ESPN knows uh, middle-aged white dudes ain't allowed to say much. In fact, when I did, Norby's on the phone. Get Norby on the phone. You know what I mean? Uh, get Norby on the phone. My God, Dockage and Greenberg were commenting during the presidential election. And then every single time I put out something, hey, uh, Dan, I don't know if we can have you do the game tonight. You responded. Yeah, I responded to a friend of mine, Brad Clapper, or a friend of a friend. I mean, what are we doing? So anyway, I'm going to keep talking sports, but I'm also going to keep talking politics because America needs me. I mean, let's be honest. I have no bias other than stupid. I have no bias other than wanting the country to be great. I've said forever, and I don't give a shit whether or not you agree with this, you don't agree with this. I've said because I actually grew up and paid attention. I've told you all before. I read the newspaper cover to cover. I delivered the newspaper. I'm a news freak. I delivered the newspaper because I wanted to get it to me on time. Not them, not the old people in my neighborhood, to me on time. 
And I've paid attention. But at the end of the day, uh, you need me on this wall. You want me on this wall. I'll talk sports till I'm blue in the face. But when I worked at ESPN, you know, I wasn't allowed. I was not allowed to comment. I mean, you know, guys like me, middle-aged white dudes, you think we're allowed to comment at ESPN? You're out of your mind. All right, we'll be back. Allison Williams, another ESPNer, going to join us. Oh, man. I was so happy the other day. Like, I'm not going to pretend and say that, you know, Lamont and I are great friends, Lamont Paris, but I've known Lamont and I, since he was back at Akron and I was at Bowling Green, then he was in Wisconsin. One of the best dudes ever in college basketball, Lamont Paris. I jumped out of my seat when the mayor hit the shot. David Jean-Baptiste, he knocks it in. I know, what did you do? The shot goes in. They didn't show your reaction. Yeah, what did you the, do? The shot goes in. Hey, I learned my, from our days in the MAC. I learned my lesson about premature celebration, so I don't go. I don't go too crazy too early. So uh, you know, I heard whistle immediately. I have some level of excitement. I hear whistle, and then it's like stop the presses. What are they doing? What are they looking at? Uh, did did they give me a timeout? What did they What did they do? And so once uh, once I knew that they were going just to review it, I felt inside that the ball was was released on time. And I just was, you know, when I saw it in the air, I just was hoping the thing went in. I said, can it be? Can it actually be? And it was. As a coach, you know, you not only have you coached in a zillion games, but you've been to a zillion games. So I always felt this. I always felt that I had a pretty good handle on whether the ball was released or not, right? So you had no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, no. I mean, anytime they're looking – there's there's a there's a sliver of doubt, but at the in in yeah. my in to myself, I based on where the horn was when it sounded, where the ball was when the horn sounded, I I was certain in my mind that the that the shot was off, which was what made me nervous because I thought that they must be looking at some something else. Yeah, right, because it was pretty obvious. Yeah, what, did you have any inkling of what else they might have been yeah, looking at? Yeah, you know, I, I, here's how the play had panned out, and, and, and oftentimes if a guy, you know, at the end of regulation, we had a very similar situation around four seconds, and, and I didn't call a timeout, and we advanced the ball inside the three-point line and, and could have got a pretty good situation. So I was going to do the same thing as, as long as David Jean-Baptiste was into a, a sprint dribble. But at, at half court, two guys had, had appeared on him, and then he, he changed direction and started going sideways. So I tried to get a timeout. In that, in that one-second frame, I tried to get a timeout just to try to get it at half court with two rather than throw up a half court heat. And then, uh, and then once it got to down under a second, I didn't want the timeout again, right, because now you're going to try to get a side out with 0.7 seconds. That's not great. And so I didn't want the timeout. So I didn't know what. I didn't know if they – they were going to call a late whistle timeout. I just was hoping they weren't oh. going to give me the timeout at that point. Oh, man. Would you – what a difference your last two days would have been if they had called wow. timeout. Wow. But we would have had a nice play. We would have had a nice play and made a three anyway. So that's what I tell myself. That's what yeah. I tell myself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt, there's man. No doubt. <laughs> Hey, you mentioned David Jean Baptiste. This is ironic. You all, 
I guess not only you, but everybody calls him the mayor. The mayor. Huh? Everyone, everyone calls him the mayor. He's been here longer than I have. He's been here six years. Uh, he knows everyone. And, and I don't mean everyone on campus. He just knows everyone. He knows players that were uh, that he never played with that come back. The guy knows everyone. And so we always joke around. They call him the mayor and they joke around about it. But at some point, I, I think he actually will be the mayor. <laughs> there will be uh, the mayor of Chattanooga. And he should be because he's got name recognition. All right. You and I talked about this yesterday. But for a normal person to go try that jump shot, and it was a jump shot from where he did it going to his left, it's a bitch just to get it to the rim. Is it not much less shoot it like a shot? It, 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 exactly. You would have to – it would be a It would be a push. You would have to shot put the ball there. That's you and I. I mean, someone that never played much <laughs> or hadn't – I mean – that's a it's a difficult it's a difficult shot it's a difficult shot I, I said yesterday I don't know what these guys where this range has come from that these guys have maybe it's just the belief that they can make it but I watched in the NBA I mean the logo shots are a real thing and they look like jump shots I had to skyhook it from that distance to get it to the rim right I mean my you know I mean I, and I looked and, he, and again do you do that thing? Um, a lot of coaches do it in shoot-arounds where they, you got to make a half-court shot at the other team's court to get off the court. Do you do any we, of that We've stuff? done that sometimes. We don't do it consistently, but but Malachi Smith always joked around. At the end of at the end of practice, when practice first starts, I usually give the guys a couple minutes just to talk about what was on TV or social media or what happened today. You know, get yourself loose a little bit. And then I blow the whistle and we get it all together. And without fail, Dave always takes a half-court shot at that time. When we're bringing it in, everybody else just hustles their ball over. And Dave, without fail, takes a half-court shot. And so, you know, maybe, maybe that's what's been preparing him for that moment. Man, hey, um, you started, you know, five years ago. I, I think you were like 10 and 23. You know, and you weren't used to that. I mean, you're coming from Wisconsin with Bo and Greg, where it's every year top one or two in the Big Ten. How did you, how did one, how did you handle all that losing early? And two, how did you build it to where it is? Yeah, uh, it, it was, it was an adjustment. I mean, I've in my whole career, call it lucky, blessed, good, whatever. I've been around a lot of winning, and it was an adjustment. I mean, it was a real adjustment. To just to go through there. And I remember after our first couple of weeks of practice, I told myself, I just, I said, I hope we just don't win only four games on the season. I thought that's where we were for talents for 10th, only because there were not 11 teams in the league. So that's why we finished 10th. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so then it was a process to get it back. And I just made it, made a decision on what it was going to take. And I thought the first thing we had to do was just change a lot of the guys that I was around every day and what they were about. And it's not that they were bad, but they were, they weren't great for me. And, uh, and, and the things that I value and have learned uh, are conducive to winning. They, they, we had a lot of guys that, that didn't, that wasn't 
a, a match that way. So we went through a process of, of having some hard conversations and doing that. And then it was about improving your talent at one point. But ultimately, we tried to get guys that were better students, that were more locked into uh, uh, committing to basketball, that were just overall more my kind of guys. And at the end of the day, we affected so many things that I think winning games was a byproduct of, of, of the kind of guys that we were bringing in here. You know, people would think, and you said it, you know, well, you got rid of bad people. That's not necessarily true. They could be really good people. But if they don't fit with what you're trying to do, I, would you agree that might be the most important thing for a coach to have an awareness about is what fits for me, both on the court, off the court, in the classroom, uh, staff meetings, uh, everything, it's, it's right? It's the number one thing on your staff and on and with your players. These guys – I'm the, I'm the coach here, so they have to want to be coached by me. I mean, that's how simple it is. They have to want to be coached by me. I don't care how good they are. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care if they're nice guys, mean guys. If they don't want to be coached by me and what I'm doing and how I'm going to coach them and what I'm going to ask them to do, it's not going to work, Dan. It's just not going to work. And so that's what we had to do. And so I don't call any of them bad guys. I, I don't. I, I would never say that about a young man, right? They got a new coach. They didn't ask for a new coach. I, I, I don't say that. Why would I judge them in that way? But they were not good for me. They did not. Some of them did not want to be coached by me. They did not want to do some of the things that I was going to ask them to do that, in my estimation, really are the keys to winning on a consistent basis. And so we had to. We had to. Does that does that. Does that include staff? Uh, yeah, now I, I, yes, it absolutely includes staff. I think that's, it's, if the staff doesn't, they have to believe in trust and belief, I think are the, are the main things they have to be able to relate to your guys. And then somewhere down the line, they have to be good at what they do as a job too. Uh, I, but I think that's down the line. And so, yeah, staff is the same way. I brought a staff in here with me. Uh, uh it's a funny story. Eddie Shannon is on my staff now. He was also on the staff, on the previous staff, but I did not hire him from that previous staff. I interviewed him and another, a couple other guys that were on the staff that ended up not going with my predecessor to his next job. And uh, based on how Eddie Shannon handled my in interview, and when I told him I, I, I couldn't hire him, I was going to go with a group of guys and pick my own staff for this first job of mine. The way he handled it is what made me hire him when I had another opening. Crazy story, but he's a really good guy. How did how did he handle it? How did he, he was handle with it? with unbelievable grace and understanding? Uh, uh, he congratulated me on the job. Uh, he thanked me for taking the time to interview him. Uh, he wished me luck. He said if there was anything I needed on any of the guys that were going to return to 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 let him know if he could ever help. Um, and 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 it was it was. He was unbelievable in a situation where you you don't know what your future is. You're 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 unemployed currently, and to handle it that way, I thought was phenomenal. And then he ended up working for another friend of mine for a couple of years. We had a guy that left our staff, and he was one of the first calls I made at that point. Because you always kept that in the back of your mind, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's you know it's it's a good story and a lesson for people on on how you handle situations. I was giving him information that he didn't necessarily want to hear and he handled it incredibly well. And, uh, and, and that was a big, that was a, that left an impression on me. 
You know, uh, Coach, you, you bring over, and you, we were talking about this yesterday, uh, Silvio D'Souza comes over, and people know his background from Kansas and all that went on there. Uh, what went into that decision, and how's that yeah. gone? Seems yeah. like well. Uh, uh, I'll lead off with this. Let's take basketball completely out of the equation on with Silvio. Uh, I don't want to evaluate him at all from that. This is an incredible young man that I enjoy being around immensely. He, he, when he smiles, it changes everything. Uh, he's got a great personality. He cares about people more than, more than most. Uh, he just does. And, and I think most people are nice and care about their neighbor. This guy genuinely, like, he'll ask me sometimes how I slept or how I'm feeling today. And it's not just like, hey, coach, what's up? How are you feeling today? I think he really wants to know how my day has gone so far and and how it could be better and if he could actually improve it. So he's an he's a he's an awesome kid. I love being around him. Uh, it's funny, though, if you look on and just do a Google search, particularly a couple of years ago, uh, you'd think the guy was Charles Manson or something. Right. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's what that's what media does. And that's what that's what it, it can look like sometimes. That's what it can look like. But I had some I was connected to their staff at Kansas. And so they endorsed him in a way that I had had had, had rarely heard an endorsement coming from a coach. And uh, so I got a chance to meet the kid. And after sitting down with him for an hour, this it was unbelievable. He, I mean, he's an it's uncommon. He's an un, he's an uncommon, rare type of of uh, individual. I use, I hate to use this analogy and it's not because he's a giant human, but if you've ever seen the green mile, uh, uh, he, he yeah. reminds me the impact that he has on people reminds me of that guy in the, in the green mile. See, it's just, it's uncommon. He's not a, it's, it's an uncommon effect that he can have on people seriously in a really good way. The, the guy, the guy in the green miles, last name is Duncan and he died, and he came in my studio one time. You know what I'm talking about, yes. the big dude who was yes. in uh, Armageddon yes. and all yes. that? He, he, he was in my studio, and he walks in, and I go, damn, you're short. And I thought I was going to get my ass kicked. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and he, he was the nicest – he was the nicest dude ever, but I, you know how you see on TV, you expect, you know, he was yeah. built. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. So you, you've been around – Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, was, I just want to I want to get that out there and let everybody know uh, I like him as a basketball player. We would be fine without him as a basketball player like they would be fine without me as a coach. But as a human being, I, I, I love this kid and, and, and he's going to be a part of my life forever. See, Google's forever, man, you know, and, and people love this. And I'm like, man, that sucks. I'm glad it wasn't around when. Well, I wish it wasn't around now. Where I've had, you know, but. Been right, been you've been, been a part trouble, of staffs. Fine. <laughs> Let me tell you, you have no – I wouldn't have lasted – I don't think my third weekend at IU with Coach Knight, I think they would have given me the boot. It would have been a – wouldn't have been good. Uh, your team, you've been around. You've been to a championship game. I mean, you've been the best of the best. You've played against in the NCAA tournament for years uh, at Wisconsin. How good is your team? As we move to the tournament, I, I, I think we have a really good team, Dan, at face value. Uh, and I've tried to these guys. It's hard. And, and we have such a mature team that I've mentioned this to our guys before. And you don't I don't I've never hardly ever done this. But I've, I've said that to our guys, guys, at face value, we have a good team. I don't want us 
to think, oh, well, where can we be in the Southern Conference? We have a really good league here with some really good coaches and talented players. But I want you to think big picture when you're trying to compare yourself. When you're working out, compare yourself to Oscar Shibway. Compare yourself to Gonzaga as a team. I'm not saying that we're Gonzaga. I'm not saying that, right? But I am telling you this. I've seen a lot of games over the years. I look at the landscape of, of basketball this year. I look at the, the, the top 10 teams that have lost. We had six of them in one day, right? Uh, I think it's a different year that way. I think there's a lot more parity. I think you got mid-major guys that are starting for high-major teams. You got high-major guys that are starting for mid-major teams. I think there's no intimidation factor that way. And I think the overall level of college basketball player, the highest of highs is not as high consistently as it's been to me, in my estimation, this particular year. So I say that just to say, at face value, we have a good team. We have size, we have depth, we have physical toughness, and we have skill. And at face value, we have a good team. When we go into the tournament, we will expect and prepare to win. Everyone's going to say that. I'm the coach. I have to say that, right? But we will expect and prepare to win for sure. You know, the, the face value thing, that, that, that's interesting to me because, you know, as a coach, well, let me ask you this. As a coach, how important is it where you've got uh, Jean-Baptiste, who is the mayor, who knows everybody. And I'm not talking about on the court, obviously, his impact. I'm talking about on a day-to-day -day basis to, you know, go through the ups and the downs of a college season, which could be academic, girlfriend, COVID, cancellate, whatever. How important is it for a guy, for you to have a guy it's, like the it's mayor? It's extremely important. It's extremely important. And what's the most important about him, we have a lot of older guys. Now, in my, in, in my first year, we had the youngest team in all of Division I college basketball, and that was, uh, that was crazy. But we are extremely experienced now. And where, where Dave is even more important is because he ties it all together. He's been here the entire time. He knows uh, terminology. He knows what my facial expressions mean. He knows when I when he needs to step on the gas and step on the brake. And he's a big part of tying that all together with these other guys. And so to have that, because like you said, it's 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 a different world now. The, the amount of social media stuff that's coming at these guys, managing that is a real deal. COVID, managing it is a real deal. Game cancellations. Now you got to play five games in 11 days, which we had to do this year, right? Minimizing practice. So some, when you do that, we had to have some days where we practiced for 30 minutes, Dan, and it was mainly a recovery day, and we got to play in a day and a half. So you can't do that when if guys are going to be immature about things and not respond to things. Like you said, a girl breaking up with you, your mom telling you something that you don't like, right? Your meal wasn't cooked properly, whatever it is. Handling that stuff oftentimes is what determines who comes out on top 34 games into it as we are now. You know, uh, I was talking yesterday after I spoke with you, we had Rob Lanier on, and I know Rob's a friend, and you guys had a close scrimmage, and his team went through like four straight losses, but it was over like two weeks because it can't three weeks, cancellations. And so then I started looking at your deal, and I see, you know what, towards the mid to end of February, you lose two straight home games, right? And to me anyway – Again, my experience in basketball is that's where leadership shows itself, either good or bad. Uh, is that something that happened with you guys after those two straight losses? Yeah, it was. And, uh, uh, and Rob's a great guy, by the way. He's a real dude. And uh, I'm so happy for him because they had a lot of, lot of things going on there and, and responded to it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I, we they someone did a did a graphic. It wasn't certainly wasn't me because I'm not skilled in that area. But someone did a graphic 
the top 100 teams in the country of which we are a part of, we were the third in terms of numbers of games lost by our main guys, our five guys, starters, and the next two guys. We were third in the amount of games that they missed due to injury, concussion, COVID, whatever it was. And so in that stretch, absolutely, you're, it's revealed who you really are as far as your player leadership. I'm going to coach it the same way, right? I'm going to respond to a loss the same way. I'm also 48 years old, so I'm, I know what to do. These guys always don't. So when you go two games in a row, when you need one game to win it with only two games left, that, was, that really showed me a lot when our guys bounced back, not only won the next, but finished with two strong wins in convincing fashion, by the way, and then we headed into the tournament with a lot of momentum. Yeah, I mean, because there, I always think this, and I'm curious your thought on it. Um, there are always times in a season, and maybe there's more than one, that either propel you or deflate you, right? And, and maturity becomes hugely important, and it doesn't necessarily have to be at the end of the year. It can be at the beginning of the year. It could be first week of practice when you're kicking their ass. You know what I mean. I mean, there are always times – and those are those are the times when you really see what your team and your leaders are no, about. No question. And it, and it's and it's everyone. It's even guys. You know, here's a perfect example. We've got a guy that transferred in here, grad transfer as a senior, and 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 he's getting he's getting a he's got a better situation from his role than he than he came from. But he probably anticipated that his role was going to be even better and bigger than what it is. It hasn't worked out that way. He would, in a normal year, he could be a starter, right? He comes off the bench behind uh, Silvio. We got Silvio late in the process, and and so his role's a little bit different. He has accepted that role. For for You have to be mature in order to do that. And oftentimes, uh, a team that ascends to great heights, it takes stuff like that. It's a guy that wants to play more, that doesn't really love his role, but he accepts that role, and he thrives in that role. Oftentimes, that's what what determines if your team is actually going to make it or if you're going to start to see cracks in the armor. I could be wrong about this, and you, you tell me, but I've always thought that there are some great college basketball cities. I always thought Dayton was one. I mean, I go back 100 years, I thought Dayton. I always thought Chattanooga was one. A good friend of mine, my, one of my best friends, uncle lived in Chattanooga, and whenever he was there, they always went to Mox games. I thought uh, uh, Omaha was one. I thought Texas El Paso was one. How great a basketball city is Chattanooga? is a great basketball city. There's a lot of tradition. You know, they won a, a, a Division II national championship here. And it's funny, I, I, I get out in the community and I talk to people, and there are people that, oh, I remember when I was seven, I used to come to games. I looked at some numbers. And in the 90s, it would be a conference game against uh, uh, East Tennessee State University, or Marshall was in the league, another great basketball city, but uh, uh, against right. Marshall. Yes. And there would be 9,000 people in the stands. Now, that was in the 90s. This is 2022. You got more things, distractions. You can watch games on television. You don't have to fight traffic. You don't have to do. So I see why, but but we're bringing it back. And, and I thought this year was a huge step, not just because we won. We really went out and, and developed some other groups, but the buzz in the community is back. We got back from the conference tournament and we had 100 fans probably were out there greeting us and, and just excited for us. There was media there. So I say that to say it's a great, it's a great basketball city. 
There's been a window where due to some other thing, COVID didn't help it either, but it is coming back and we feel it uh, uh, at a high level that this community is ready to get right back to where they've been. Man, you got a lot of fans, man. I mean, I tell you what, your team is fun to watch. And congratulations. I appreciate you taking – it's two days with you and I. How good is that for me? Bad for you, good for me. me. Reminiscing (laughs) with with Dan Dockage. We had some battles (laughs) – uh, 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 in the in the old Mac now we had some battles, but uh, it's fun. It's fun to see you. I love I love what you do, and uh, it's it's not always pre-scripted. It's your real. It's real. When Dan says it, it's what he feels, and uh, I think there's a lot of value in that. So I appreciate what you do, and thanks for having me on here and and our team. I love this group. It's a special group of guys. Forget the basketball side of it. They're just. They're just unbelievable human beings, and they're going to be successful in whatever they do. So thank you. Amen. Looking forward to seeing Selection Sunday. I, I've already got you in the second weekend, so screw it. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's you know, but I also got like 70 teams. Of the 68 teams, I got like 50 <laughs> of them. Uh, but I love watching your team, man. Your team is fun to watch. Hey, Lamont, uh, thanks, Coach. Thanks, Thank man. you very Take much. Take care, my man. All right. That's the great Lamont Paris. I'm telling you, one of the all-time best guys in college basketball. Always has been. Whether we he was at Akron with Keith Dambrot, who is a great basketball coach, or whether he was obviously with two great basketball coaches, Greg Gard and Bo Ryan, over at Wisconsin. Now he's doing his own thing. He'll be in the Big Ten, or should be in the Big Ten, uh, sooner than later. I, fant- I love the guy. I, do, I, I don't know him. I don't pretend to know people that I don't. You know, people say, well, you know, I know. No, but I think that he is one of the all-time best dudes. I've always had. Even when I was arguing and yelling and damn broad and I'm raising hell, I just always thought he was, um, he's one of the all-time best dudes. All right, that's a good hour. That's a really good hour. This is my favorite day of the year. I'm telling you, this is my favorite. We got games starting at noon. We got Syracuse taking on Florida State at noon, and they're going all the freaking way down to the end. I, I love it. Allison Williams is on next. I can't wait. Uh, We're going to talk everything that you want to talk. The stock market is up. Are you shitting me? Look at this. Our gas price is down. Hey, look, I don't care whether the president is a Republican, a Democrat. Keep my gas prices down, the stock market up, and I don't want to hear the word inflation. We'll be back with A-Dub, Allison Williams, next. I'm going to say this every time. The world owes Allison Williams an apology. I mean, they just do. I'm not, you know, hey, look, you were first. You said it. I don't need a shot. I mean, let me make my own choice. Let me make my own choice. And, uh, you know, away you go. You know, it's funny. I want your opinion on this. I didn't really put this in a rundown or anything, but people are on my ass because now that I work for OutKick, I'm a little more political. And, okay. And they say, well, you weren't political during Trump. And I said, well, guys like me, you remember those memos? We weren't allowed to talk politics when you were at ESPN. I mean, that doesn't make ESPN bad, but look, a 50-something-year-old white dude wasn't allowed. You couldn't talk politics looking like me at ESPN. No, Are you, you crazy? No. Oh, no way. You don't have no, to. No, looking like you and thinking like you, you were you needed to keep your mouth shut to keep your job, for sure. And, and it was almost kind of an unwritten rule a little bit, I, right? It got written with me Did twice. It? It got, yeah, he got like, hey, uh, you know, you're commenting on the debate. And I said, yeah. I said, well, you can't. We're not sure we're going to let you do this game. I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> you know, what do you want me to do? I did it. You know, anyway, but you're right. Uh, yeah. It, at the end of the day, it was kind of an unwritten, written rule. And away yeah. you go. Hey, let me go with you. Um, I love this week. What is your favorite sports week? Like today, to me, you know, the Big Ten tournament, you got uh, tournaments starting at noon. They don't end till like midnight. This might be my favorite day, yeah, A-Dubs. I was thinking about that. Um, this is pro- this because it's also what it leads to, right? So it's nonstop basketball. It's all day. It's every day. And then you know it's going to go through the final four where it just kind of becomes all-consuming and it, it's, it's awesome. Um, this was always the most stressful, fun, rewarding week for me professionally in college basketball. Um, because you worked so many games, you were exhausted, you were at the arena all day. There was, you know, all these teams you're prepping for and cramming for that you hadn't seen all season. And you spent all day in the gym on Monday. Um, the, the tournament would kick off on Tuesday with the ACC tournament in recent years. And then, uh, and then you just go like hard for a week. Right. Um, so yeah, champ week is awesome. And, and then also too the, you know, the runs teams can go on and they're, they're fighting for their NCAA lives. Um, there's always so much emotion and yes, I'm, I'm with you. I think this week is probably one of the greatest. And then obviously you get into the tournament and that's fun. And you're just able to have basketball on all day and the craziness and the madness and it's all here, but there's something special about this week and the buildup that it has for the NCAA tournament. And then I think too, like the conferences that you've lived in, especially with the big 10, it, it means so much, right? Like that big 10 tournament, it's, it's special. And the ACC tournaments like that too, um, where teams truly take a lot of pride and care about winning it, not just because of the bid and what it means, um, but because of the pride of those conferences. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's a great freaking week. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it really is. And, And then you see the emotion when people win and the excitement and all that. I, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just all into it. I, I really am. And, and again, I like, uh, as Trico, I think, said the other day, man, it's nice to have Saturdays off. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I ain't mad at that even a little bit. Um, let me go into a couple things. You saw what happened with Aaron Rodgers, and I've said Aaron Rodgers has had a hell of a mm-hmm. year. Uh, he stared down the cancel culture. He said what he wanted to say. He did not back, like you, he did not back down from it. Took a lot of grief. But like you, you remain standing, you remain strong. Your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and the entirety of his year? I'm happy for him. Yeah, I think it's, um, it was, for me personally, I was glad to see him stay in Green Bay. I just didn't want to see him go somewhere else. Maybe I'm a bit of a traditional, like, traditionalist like that. Um, But there was something about the way he did speak his mind about the organization and the direction they were headed and some of the things he didn't like and um, has still found a way to reconcile some of those issues and stay with Green Bay and the only team he's ever played for. Um, So first and foremost, I was was very, very glad to see that. And yeah, it kind of felt like a big middle finger to a lot of people who blasted him for um, lying about being vaccinated and then the, the whole ordeal that unfolded after that. Um, so I'm just, I'm happy for him, obviously. I, I, what I thought was weird too, is like, why did people take exception, um, exception to the fact that he clarified that the contract wasn't what people were reporting and wasn't finalized? Was that weird? Like people were mad. Like, why are you correcting that? Do you just always have to be right? I'm like, cause it's wrong and it's his life and it's impacts him directly. And he knows, and he's, just making a correction. I don't know. I thought that was weird. So whatever that contract ends up being, he's obviously getting paid. He's staying in Green Bay, and I'm glad he's still going to play. I, I would have been a little 
just for him personally, like his story and his legacy, I think it would have been a little sad if he decided that this was it. Do you think, here's what I, I said this at the time. Um, When Biden won the presidency, I feel like the media won. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people were such sheep that they paid attention to media narratives. And I think that spilled over when you don't think like the media, when you don't think like everyone else. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, I like the fact that he put out his own stuff. He doesn't need the Indianapolis Star or the Green Bay Post-Gazette or the Milwaukee, whatever it is, because his reach is bigger now, isn't it, with his followers as opposed to the circulation of these newspapers? Yeah, the- I'm glad he did that. More more athletes should well, do I that. Well, I think that's what's happening. And, that, and, I mean, that's what we saw with the Pat McAfee show, right? I mean, <laughs> speaking of getting paid, Pat got paid and kind of did his own thing, too. And and he's had uh, Aaron on there every week, and they can have these long-form, in-depth conversations. Um so, yes, I think that's a shift that we're seeing within um, the sports broadcasting landscape that's really interesting because the power shift is apparent. Like the athletes no longer need you. It kind of reminds me um, a little bit of the relationship with Duke and ESPN. I mean, if you look at that evolution, like there kind of came this point in recent years where Duke's like, we have the largest following on social media of any sports organization. I think they even surpassed the Yankees. So they could also directly really, you know, reach consumers. So yes, they needed this partner um, for, for the, you know, the broadcast of the games, but for the growing of the brand that's changed. Like athletes retain so much more power to control their message, disseminate it and monetize it now, even at the college level. So it is really interesting. The role of, the mainstream legacy media companies within broadcast within sports journalism. Um, Because like you said, with social media and the internet and YouTube and all these different avenues that they have to get their message out, you're right. Like you don't need to sit down with that reporter um, and you don't have to, to utilize and work the press and all that. You can, you can go directly to your fans. Um, So it's interesting, the shift that that's kind of started to create. And I think, I think it's also led to, um, more journalists becoming uh, more emboldened to utilize their opinions as well, um, because there isn't like this symbiotic relationship that there used to be. I mean, think about the old Joe Namath photo before the Super Bowl, right at the pool with all the reporters around him. Um, there was like this friendship, and you kind of took care of each other, and you you were cognizant of how you presented people and and what you told and what you didn't. And now it's kind of like any information is fair game. Everybody's out for themselves. Um, but it's created an, an interesting dynamic, I think, within sports broadcasting. Uh, guys on the YouTube chat are wanting to know, what is it about Eric Aaron Rodgers that he can't stay with a woman? <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know. How do either one of us I have that? no idea. How do we know? <laughs> I'm married. I ain't finding out. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, hey, look, maybe he's particular. Maybe he's a pain in the ass. Maybe he's too easy. Maybe maybe I don't know. Right guys one. are like, hey, you got to, right. I mean, well, guys are like, well, you know, he's 40. Like, okay, 40 is a new 20. I don't know how, what to tell you on this Jeter one. I, when he I, finally got married, right? Like he was single forever. Did Jeter get married? Yeah, he married that model. That They had the kid, a couple kids, the, right? What's her name? Um, the Vic. Derek Jeter's married. Yeah, right? Didn't they get married or are they not married? They're engaged. They're, I mean, because he's got the kid with her. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But I, I, it goes to a broader point. I've been saying this for I don't know how long. But 
it is amazing the shit that we worry about in this country. Like, like ha try having a name like Doc Itch. <laughs> All you got to do is take out the A and put an I, Dick. All you got to do is take out the C or the D and put a C. And I got Russell Westbrook worrying about they calling him West Brick. It's shameful to my family name. Try having this name, baby. Come on. Yeah, we got way too much time to worry about really unimportant shit. Like, who cares? Oh, my God. Oh, that's hilarious. What's the most important thing you're looking at today? I mean, across the board. Um, and, and if it includes Ukraine and Russia, what, what part of that? What, what's the mo what, what should people be focusing on it's, right now? I'm, I'm like shook by this a little bit. Um, and I don't know if it's because I'm a mom. Um, I, 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 I go about my daily activities and nothing is wrong. I went and met my husband yesterday for lunch. It was beautiful out, right on the coast. Pacific Ocean's glistening, sun's out. It's like 70 degrees and it is a freaking perfect day. And my, my kids at school, we did a lunch date for the first time probably since he's been born. And all I could think about was like, there is serious war and devastation and killing and destruction of lives going on right now. And I'm sitting here having lunch on this beautiful day and nothing, like no care in the world. And I go to bed at night and I, I put my son to bed and I think I can't even imagine not being able to like keep you safe forget keep you fed and healthy and entertained and all that but just keep you safe like these moms who are fleeing their homes and leaving their husbands and families who are shattered and I just um I I don't have an opinion on what the U.S. needs to do I don't have an opinion on on anything when it comes to the politics of this but it is war and it is horrible and there are people who were going about their daily lives a few weeks ago and who are now refugees with nowhere to run and it's it's just heartbreaking on a human level. Like it's just from a humanitarian level, it is just devastating. And the fact that this happens in this day and age where a country can be recognized and sovereign and democratic and independent and, and safe. Right. And then all of a sudden it's in um, smoldering ashes. It's just, it's mind boggling that we still allow that. And it still happens. Um, so it bothers me. And it's weird because it's like, again, your day to day is not impacted. Right. And we're going to watch basketball all day and, and we're going to go about our lives and everything's going to be good. And, um, we're going to have food on the table and pay too much of the pump and be frustrated with that and talk about it with our spouses and our friends, but nothing changes for us. Um, and it's really hard to think about humans and people that their complete, their entire lives have changed or ended. So, um, it's just like this weird, uh, underlying sadness, I guess, is the best way to put it, um, that you just kind of feel. But I, I just, I pray for the people over there and I, I hate how, um, I hate, I hate that it's happening and I hate how there's, there's no clarity on what the best way out is. I think that's, what's really hard. Like you just don't know what the, the best that way out is. That's what I was going to, like, what's the end game here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, wh where are we with an I, end game? I, I, don't, I don't see an end game I don't here. either. And it's funny, when this, when it all started to go down, I kept, like, researching, like, what does Russia want? Like, like what is their end game? Like, what do they want? Do they just want to take over the whole country? Do they want to annex part of it? Um, like, what is Putin's motivation here? And I think sometimes you realize, like, you're just, you're dealing with pure evil, and some people are just purely evil and have evil intentions and want to do what they want to do. And um, 
yeah. And then from like the U.S. standpoint, it's like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um, I am glad that they finally have cut ties with Russian oil. I mean, that the fact that that's going on and like is a daily occurrence for however long it has been now is is, is concerning. Um, but then now we're shifting it to Venezuela. Like, does that make sense? So um, it's it's hard to know what when you're dealing with an evil, irrational person like a Putin and, and who's so unpredictable and who knows what he could do um, and the capabilities he has and the ties he has with China and everything like like what are we yeah what is the end game and how do you get out of this in the best way possible um, I don't know and that's what's that's what's scary right like not just for the people of um, Ukraine but for the entire world um, I have said and I think somebody got mad at me a lot of people got what's mad new? at me but I, I, I said look and I don't like, Brittany Griner's situation is really difficult, and I'll tell you why I think it's difficult. Number one, part of it, what are you doing bringing anything that could be construed as illegal to an airport in Russia when you're trying to get out when there's mm -hmm. hostility? That's, that's just stupid to do. But number two, um, you know, how does this end? Like, diplomatically, right. you can say, okay, well, she's a very well-known figure in the United States. Is that good for her, or is that bad for her when it comes to her situation. So far, it certainly hasn't helped. So there's two things here. One, you got to be smarter, you know, than to bring something to an airport. But number two, certainly the crime doesn't fit the punishment, but what what ultimately is going to happen? Yeah, here? it's, um, I, I agree with you on all fronts. It wasn't a wise decision on her end. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like if you're in that situation, you know, you're going to be flagged and targeted because you're an American citizen. Um, I'm sure she stands out in Russia, you know, physically just from an appearance. Why it's like, okay, who, who is this person? Um, what are they about? What are they doing? Why are they trying to leave you? They're going to look at you a little harder. So, um, but I, I mean, I don't fault her. Like I understand she probably thought nothing of it. This to her is no different than probably, I don't know, packing some mascara to me. Like, it's just what the, like, this is a part of my daily routine and what I use on a daily basis and what I travel with and what I own. And it's not illegal where I'm from. And I'm sure she didn't even think twice about it. Um, I mean, I probably would have been like throwing out my razors and stuff, but uh, yeah, I, would have like, I mean, you just don't mess with that situation, but I'm sure she was targeted as well. And then, you know, from the U.S. standpoint, like it's bizarre how long she was there before it made news and people got word. I mean, that's the other thing that's so, so scary is the way everything is completely controlled um, and, and the limited access she has to communicate. Like, you just don't know what her situation is, how she's being treated, how long she's been held, uh, what her whole situation is. And then how do you resolve it diplomatically if you're the U.S.? I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of of the belief like every U.S. citizen is a valuable U.S. citizen. So I don't think her, her profile should factor into it, but it will. Um, I don't know how much, you know, leverage the WNBA has, the NBA has in Russia, if there's some, um, some pressure they can put on it, um, and other organizations, if it's going to have to come from the government, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And, and it's scary. I mean, like, I can't, I can't even imagine, you know, being in that situation and oh. the language barrier and the, oh my God, like it's, it's terrifying. Um, absolutely terrifying. And, and the, how helpless she must feel like, does she know people know who does she, like who knows like i just I, I i can't even imagine how helpless she must feel good friend of mine gotten thrown into a german jail over a misunderstanding with jeans or something and he called me because my college roommate uve was a uh, his dad is a german 
uh, attorney, so we ended up getting him out, but he was in for like a week, and it was like, Dan, man, <laughs> I'm just telling you. I, he was in there with skinheads. He, I mean, he's like, this is the worst thing you could possibly imagine, mm -hmm. and I can only imagine how horrible it is for her. I just don't know if no, you know, at one point you're like, well, the notoriety will help her get out, and then you're like, man, this is a time of war. I mean, people are assets, right, to a Russian government? Mm -hmm. Isn't that how, you know, you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're, you're trying to, you know, I don't, I think, it, I hope she gets out of there. I, I, I think it's a story yeah. that you got to keep an eye mm -hmm. on. Yeah, and soon, mm -hmm. yeah. Where are we at with gas prices? I mean, I, all right, Mom, I'm dumb. You're smart, so I defer to you. Back in the 70s, when I was a kid, I remember everybody and their mother, including my mother, the most holy of ladies, uh, was complaining about gas prices and inflation. So I decided in my little brain that the most important thing for our president, government, whatever, is three things. Gas prices, never heard the word inflation, and keep the stock market up. Ultimately, when we look at gas prices, what are we looking at? What, what, what is your sense on this? And again, what's the end game here? Well, we need, we need more oil independence. I mean, people, it's frustrating to see how the Democrats are twisting this and pushing their, their green agenda, right? Um, and look, I, I'm all for protecting right. the environment. Trust me, I just don't think this is the way to do it. Um, they don't talk about regenerative farming, which would have a huge impact on climate change and, and CO2 emissions and all that. They just go after fossil fuels. We are never going to not need fossil fuels. Like people need to get that through their head. And so it's like, oh, well, gas prices are out of control. So buy a $70,000 electric vehicle. Okay, so let's just say like theoretically people could afford that, which the majority of them can't, just like they can't afford $7 a gallon, which it's up to um, in parts of LA. So, so let's say they can afford that. And now we're all environmentally friendly, right? Well, that electricity still comes from somewhere. <laughs> okay. So even if it's solar or wind, you still use fossil fuels to produce the stuff that makes the solar and the wind. And then also what happens to all these lithium batteries? Where do they go? So they're not going to stay in your car forever. Um, they do die over time. And where do we get lithium from? Well, there's a shit ton of it in Afghanistan. We just left there. So we have a problem with the lithium. We have a problem getting getting it. We have a problem with getting rid of it. And nobody talks about the fact that like if a Tesla gets into a car accident and lights on fire, you can't put that out. If a lithium battery lights on fire, you just have to let it die out. You you can't, there's no fire trucks, extinguish it. It's incredibly toxic. It's lighter than water. And so it just burns and then it has to burn itself out. So I, I'm just not sure, like, as much as we want to think, okay, if we just all went electric, we would have um, a cleaner climate and we would reduce oil dependency. I just don't think that's realistic. And I think there needs to be an increase in oil production in the U.S. Um, we need to be energy independent. And yeah, do we need to invest in, in reducing our dependency on fossil fuels? Sure. And maybe some cleaner burning ones and so forth. Um, but this whole notion of just buying an electric car and everything would be solved is is bullshit <laughs> i heard that yesterday mayor pete uh, my man i mean he, people in south bend were so glad to get rid of them i mean i you know it's like here take them federal government same thing that's happening joe hogg said here the mayor of indies dying to get on the biden administration and people in india are dying to get rid of them i mean it's just it is what it, what do you think like what will be the breaking point where gas prices come down i i know gas prices were going up way before russia and i heard biden yesterday talking about well it's all russia i mean it, i get it Ru russia can be blamed for everything now 
But when will the breaking point hit and these things start coming down? We got to wait till after a and war. And even so, like, how much are they going to come down? That's what I always wonder. Because once they hit a threat, certain threshold, like, they're not dropping back much lower, right? I mean, they might swing if if oil goes back to hundred dollars a gallon or something. Okay, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see a drop. But um, that always is what concerns me. Is like it's like once it gets so high, it's only going to come so much further down, right? Um, and, and it is true, like, and that was frustrating to hear Biden blame it all on Russia. I understand there's a component to that because of what we buy from them, which is dumb. Uh, but they were going up and they were on the rise. I mean, I live in California and it's 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 asinine. We've been over $5 a gallon for a while now. And um, it just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. And my thought was like, you have Gavin Newsom bragging about this billion plus dollar surplus that California has. And I was like, okay, well, then temporarily lift the gas tax. I mean, we pay insane taxes in California on gas. So if the, the price of oil is 130 a barrel or whatever the hell it is, then lift the gas tax temporarily. You have this surplus. It's not your money. It's our money. So like, give us a little bit of a break and help alleviate some of the strain at the pump because everything is impacted by this. I mean, food, goods, I, I, everything. Everything is going to be impacted by this. Labor. Um, my husband works in, in construction and they were doing a job. We're in North County, San Diego. They were doing a job in Pasadena. And he's like, if gas was like this a year ago, he's like, we would have had to give up that job because we would have gone bankrupt trying to run it. I mean, driving up there. So, it, you know, or we would have had to like triple our prices. So everything's going to be impacted. It's going to drive up the pricing of everything. So if you're, if you're a politician at this point, I mean, I, I, outside of some policy to increase oil production, I think you need to really look at the taxes, um, the federal government too, and, and offer some people a little bit of relief at the pump temporarily and then, and then reassess. But I just worry like long-term, I mean, I don't know, I, I doubt you'll ever see the day in California where it's under $4 a gallon. I, I just don't think that's a realistic now that it's gone this high and they can get like, it's, it's insane. Um, yeah. So if, and if it takes, I don't know, I don't know. I, there's gotta be more energy um, independence for the U S it's got to start there. But. Here's all right. We're in the same situation here in Indiana. We have a surplus. I think it's $2 billion. And people have said, look, we got a 53 cent uh, gas tax. And then I look at the federal government. The federal government is going to grant $2 billion to worldwide. And I'll get in trouble for this. And I'm sure it's important. I'm not saying it's not important. But worldwide women diversity programs, which is, I know it's important. I, look, I get it. I get it. The United States has to be a leader, but at some point, you got to take care of your own people, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it's priorities, right? Or am I no, way it's off on priorities. this? Priorities. Yeah. Like, so it, it, it'd be like your home. If the government's your home, right? And you're going to buy a new couch or you're going to go buy food. And you're like, I really want a new couch. Okay, but like the couch you have is fine and your family needs to eat and you need electricity and you need gas in your car. So you're going to prioritize spending money on those things. And then eventually when you have a shit ton of money and everybody's doing great, then you get your new couch, right? Like you prioritize. <laughs> and that's what the U.S. government needs to do. If they have this money and people are hurting and they're um, bankrupting, bankrupting families and people are living paycheck to paycheck as it is, and now they're paying out the ass for gas and for food and for everything else. Um, yeah. So maybe you you alleviate some of that for them. And then down the line, when everybody's doing well and things are right, then you can go and push your initiatives in foreign countries. Um, I think there are several examples of that. I mean, even the money that he's committing to buying vaccines to 
essentially giving to these pharmaceutical companies to distribute the COVID vaccine worldwide to some countries that probably don't even really want it, but we're going to buy up billions of dollars of them to send overseas. Is that the best thing to be doing right now? I guess you could argue eliminating the virus worldwide would benefit the U.S. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think, again, the, there needs to be some hard questions asked. And uh, with the state of our country is not the time to be a philanthropic um, power. So I'm, I'm with you on that. You've got to you got to reprioritize right now. Yeah, I don't look, I'm not saying the government needs I, I want less government. But don't bail me out, whatever. But but don't be sitting here in the middle of all this crap and saying, well, you know, we got two billion dollars that we're going to. Again, do some program that I'm sure helps. I'm not saying it doesn't, but again, you use the word prioritize, and I feel like if you have half of a brain and you can think logically and not think relative to your party and your party only, you know, it it, it just makes sense to prioritize our country first. Now, maybe that's wrong. I don't know. How is that wrong? That can't be wrong. I'm not going to tell you that's wrong. That ain't wrong. (laughs) That's right. Right. That ain't wrong. That's just stupid. That's, that's just common sense, <laughs> isn't think, it? You would think. <laughs> Any more though? I don't even know. God I don't even know what dang, common I mean, sense exists. It's like this simplest shit you talk to people about. Like, but no, like they just they they won't go there because it's not where their party is, and it's it's so crazy. It's like, but just break it down. Like, it's not that complicated. Does this make sense? No. Okay, then why are we doing it? Why are we supporting it? Why? It's like, I put it like this. You know how this, this, uh, this week there will be on ESPN and CBS and all the stations, there'll be two resumes and they'll be blind, right? And it'll be like, okay, Team A has done this, right? Team B has done this. You know, it's, I wish we would do that with our, with our public policy. Here's this, here's this, blind. We don't know whether it's Republican, Libertarian, Democrat. Right. We don't know. Which do you want? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, God, just an R next to it or or, or a D next to it influences people crazy in this world. And it's all about proving the other party wrong. And that's what for me has been really frustrating. That's it. I am not um, a politically super motivated person. And honestly, I'm not a big Trump fan. Um, I was a Democrat until probably two years ago. So um, I, I am not one of those people who wishes that a certain party fails or a certain president fails. A part of me, when Biden got elected, I was like, good, because this is what people wanted. And if he can bring this country together, I, 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 I don't love half the shit that comes out of Trump's mouth, but I can look at it from a policy perspective and say, like, well, this is pretty good. Like, this has actually worked. I didn't understand at the time, but I guess he was right. I have no problem with any of that. And if Biden would have succeeded, great, because if he's having success, that means the U.S. is having success. So I'm good with that. Um, right. But some people, yeah, but it, it, it just, it, when you see people who just root for him to fail because they want the party to fail because they want their agendas back um, on the table, it's, it's frustrating. And I don't understand why it's, it's always us. And, and then it just, it, like, I feel like we've gotten so, so divided where it used to be like a Republican and a Democrat could be best friends or could be married or could have this great, and like, now you don't even speak to people. Like you find out they think a certain way and they're like, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> so yes, there's no right. common ground. Um, it's, it's all a, a win or a loss. And I, I think that's just a really unhealthy place to be as a society, as a country. Um, and it's been like that, unfortunately, probably since Trump took office, like something weird happened during those four years that set a divide and, um, 
and it's continuing, unfortunately. You know, I grew up in a world in an area in Northwest Indiana where politicians, I mean, I got, I mean, I think I've told you this, a very good friend of mine taught me how to shoot a jump shot, got convicted of voter fraud. He was a councilman mm -hmm. and he was, pay he and his buddies on the city council in East Chicago were paving roads for votes. So he's going to jail. Well, he, is, he escaped. He had this set up to go to Greece. He lives in Greece now. He's a Greek citizen. He's, Interpol doesn't come to Greece. So I've been around. I've always thought to myself, politicians are crooked as hell. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I've never wanted and I never cared about a politician's morality. Now, that may make me weird, right? I understand. You know, Trump was a pig. Mm -hmm. We know that. But the policies were pretty good. And in my background, I think they're all pigs. <laughs> like, I go back, if you put a compilation together of Joe Biden, like they did with Joe Rogan, of the racist right. things he said, people would be like, people that can think, would be like, what the shit did we elect? Mm -hmm. Right? So I've always, I don't need the moral part of a president or a politician. That's just my background. Others might, but See, I don't. You know what I mean? That's so I interesting because I used to, like, that used to really matter to me. And, um, like, the whole Clinton thing, like, how could he like this is so immoral this is so wrong blah 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 um and i think as you get older so you were exposed to that as a youngster and i obviously wasn't yes. so it was like no he has to be a good person and like jfk was the most amazing man ever and you know so righteous and and good and moral then you like find out all these shady things he did so yeah i think if you operate from the standpoint of they're all corrupt they're all uh, morally bankrupt <laughs> they're all probably philandering pigs okay, but what's the policy? There's a great line, I think it was going around during the last election, and it was like, just remember, a vote is not a Valentine. This is not a person you're going to go on a date with or be best friends with. This is the person that's going to lead this country and whose policies are best for this country. And, I, and that kind of <laughs> allowed me to get over my like, oh my God, I'm going to vote for Trump type of thought, right? It was like, shit. But it's not right. a Valentine. I, he's not somebody I'm going to um, be friends with or be with. It's somebody that's going to um, put the best policies in place to to help this country. And, and yes, so it is important to think that. And I think once you do realize that they're all checkered backgrounds and done some shady shit, it's why they're there for so long, which probably that needs to change too, right? Like we need term limits. That does. It's, it's, it's yes. insane when you see like Feinstein and all Pelosi and all these people who are like walking around their grave and have been there since they were 20. And it's like, well, no wonder nothing ever changes or gets done. Or, um, and then they, yeah, that the, there needs to be term limits and that needs to be changed in a hundred percent because if they're all going to be crooked, at least we could rotate them through a little quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like 10 and my dad's good friend came to our house. And I could tell my dad was like, what are you talking about? You know, they, not an argument. Well, I asked my mom later. My mom knew that I always read the newspaper front to back. And I like to know. She goes, okay. I'm not going to say the guy's name because he's dead. But Mr. So-and-so uh, was here to try to get your father to sign up the empty lot as a people's place so he can get votes from the empty lot. I don't know how he did it, you know what I mean? But the empty lot was going to be a, there was going to be like three votes for him come out of the empty lot. And my dad told him, look, we don't own the empty lot. The Melhams do next door. So my dad's best friend running for city council and Gary wanted to get the empty lot next to us as a, I don't know, sign up somebody for bullshit votes. You know what I mean? So I've always been like, these guys, everybody's shady. Get them out of my face. Voter fraud is hey, nothing Hey, Doc, this is my favorite interview of the week. Thanks for starting my No, and right. that's what, it just, 
It, it astounds me when people go, there's no such thing as voter fraud. Yeah? <laughs> Look up East Chicago, Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Are you crazy? Tale as old as time. <laughs> Oh, my God. When a guy's living in Greece, he skipped out on his own birthday party the night before sentencing. He was going to be in a jail, a federal jail in Minneapolis. Nobody knew where he was. He actually called my radio show about eight, six or seven years ago. Daddy, we're here in Greece. I said, I don't know who this is. I don't know who this is. I don't know. You know. That's insane. Thanks, A-Dubs. Have a great rest of your day. It's great. (laughs) You too. That's Allison Williams. I'm telling you, the world owes Allison Williams an apology. I got stories, people. Man, you can look it up. Frankie Kalensis. Love Frankie Kalensis. Head coach at Highland High School and city council member in East Chicago. And look him up. They didn't put him in bail. They didn't make, they let him free before his conviction. They had a party for him. He didn't show up at his own party. Didn't show up at sentencing. Next thing you know, he's in Greece. Interpol doesn't, Interpol does not come and extradite Greek citizens in Greece. So people that tell me, well, there's no voter fraud. What's, where, where did you grow up? There is in Gary, Indiana. There is in South Chicago. There is in Hammond. There is in East Chicago. We'll be back. It's always fun. It is. It's always fun with A-dubs. All right. I want you to do this if you get a chance today. I'm sure some of you are working and you just, you know, you just kind of have me on secondary. My guy's on the YouTube chat. It's time to make some money today. It really is. It's just time. And the way you make money gambling is not bet on every goddamn thing. You don't. Uh, I, I, you know, you just don't. But what you do do, do do, my friend Bart Fox would have laughed and said, you said do do. Anyway, what you do is you find a game or two that you really like. You're going to think this is very odd, all right? You're going to think this is very, very, very odd, all right? Uh, maybe the game of the day. I'm going to go through the Big Ten tournament, which starts today here in Indianapolis. Maybe the game of the day is Minnesota, or excuse me, Nebraska and Northwestern. Now, i got to tell you, you're going to think this is crazy, and if you do, it's only because you really haven't paid attention. But there's no hotter team in the country right now than Nebraska. I don't know of another team, maybe North Carolina. I haven't looked it up, but I don't know of another team that has won. I just want you to think about this. That has won two straight road games against ranked teams on senior nights, two straight. We did that at Bowling Green to win a championship in 2000, and it is difficult. We beat Marshall at home to win the championship in the previous game. We beat Akron at both 20 win teams. It is hard, and Nebraska did that. Nebraska has – they went into Ohio State and won, and then they went into – excuse me, Wisconsin and took away an outright Big Ten title for them. So this game is interesting for a variety of reasons. Last time I watched Northwestern, I thought they looked pretty good. Like, I think Chris Collins is a really good coach. I think Chris Collins is in such a tough league. He's got the bottom feeder team in the league, no matter what they've put into it, and they have put in a lot – to Northwestern basketball. Chris got him in the NCAA tournament a few years ago. I said that he should have left after that. I I understand why he didn't. I totally get it. But this game at 6 o'clock Eastern time tonight is going to be sensational. The McGowan's guys are back. Uh, Bryce McGowan, 
the leading scorer was hurt, and he's going to be back tonight. But let's go through a little bit of what mo- both teams have done. Now, I only go back over the last five games. Now, here's what Wisconsin has done. Starting with going to Iowa, I'm sorry, starting with going to Northwestern, it was a 12-point win at Northwestern the last time these two teams played. And that wasn't that long ago. That was on 2-22-22. Northwestern played really well. All right. Then they went to Iowa and lost a fairly close game, 8-point, 10 game. Then it started. At Penn State, a tough team to play at because it's like a tomb. Nebraska won by 23. Now understand this. Nebraska on the road had three games to end the season, and this came after the Nebraska athletic director. God dang it. He played for the Colts. Uh, uh, Trey, uh, shoot, I can't remember his name. But anyway, uh, he said they were going to have the coach Fred That's the most fun about this show, right? Drops in, drops out, whatever. Uh, All right, I was telling you about Minnesota and Nebraska. Now, here's the deal. Minnesota is taking on Penn State. Now, Penn State, to me, uh, is up and down. They play good defense. Their coach is pretty good. I mean, he's new, but, you know, who cares? Uh, Minnesota's awful. This game is at 8.30, so let me tell you what you do with this game. You watch it because it's fun. But you bet it because you want to make money. And right now, uh, it is three and a half Penn State. Get rid of the hook. Take Penn State minus three. Let's go through this. Now, look, Peyton Willis can go get buckets. But you're talking about a team in Minnesota who in their last five have lost four. And they lost, excuse me, they beat Northwestern five, five games ago. And then the last game got absolutely trounced by Northwestern. Here's the problem you have with Penn State. Penn State lost by one at Rutgers last time out. Lost by five um, at Illinois after getting crushed at home by Nebraska. I'm going to take Penn State, and this is going to be one of my bigger games. I'm going to play this one pretty big. I do not like Minnesota. I think Penn State is still competing. I think Penn State is still trying. I told you yesterday about uh, Louisville, and I could not have been more wrong in the first half. When the game settled down, Georgia Tech beat the brakes off Louisville in the second half. But hey, we lost the bet. No excuses. I feel real strong about this particular game. I think Minnesota stinks. Look, Ben Johnson is going to do a good job. He's a Minnesota guy. He'll get the players to stay. Our toes will be tapping, all that kind of stuff. But I got to tell you, nuh-uh. Minnesota stinks. Penn State Still battling. Take Penn State. All right, let's go through another one. Butler at Xavier. Now, Butler at Xavier is interesting as we move to the Big East. Yes, the Big Ten only has two games. Butler and Xavier. Let me tell you what's at stake here. I don't think, and I hope not, but there's a lot of talk that Lavelle Jordan may be in trouble at Butler. I hope not. I'm a big fan of Lavelle Jordan. He's a terrific coach, better dude, great family guy, fantastic basketball knowledge, and he is Butler through and through. However, having said that, there's always a however. You know this. You got to win. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? And when you're at Butler, a lot of times, what do they do? They say, well, you know, Brad did this. You know, Barry did this. Hell, even Licklider won there. So, you know, I understand it. 
But here's the deal with Xavier. Xavier is in a little bit of the same situation, except Xavier needing a win at 18 and 12, 8 and 11 in the league, needing a win to go to the NCAA tournament. This is a bad game. Let me tell you about this game. Butler's lost five straight. Maybe more. Hell, I'm only going back the last five. And they've lost one in overtime. Their last game, Villanova came in and split them. They've lost close. They've lost close. All right? Xavier, last five. They've lost four of the last five. They beat the living breaks off of Georgetown. Now, a lot of people at Xavier, and I love the Xavier coach, Travis Steele. I hired him at Indiana. But a lot of people are like, well, this is what happens at Xavier every year. We start out well, and then we're dog bleep. Well, I can't argue. They lost. Listen to this schedule, though, before you judge Xavier. They lost at UConn. They lost at Providence in three overtimes. A hell of a game. We talked about it on this show. They lost uh, to Seton Hall, and they lost at St. John's. Now, those two games they lost bad. Right now, Xavier is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't touch it. Xavier needs this win like they need air. And sometimes in the first game of a tournament, the team like Butler, who has literally nothing to play for, they play loose. The team like Xavier, who has to win this game. Like, they don't kind of sort of have to win this game. They gots to win this game. Do they have enough to win this game? Of course they have enough to win this game. Look, Xavier's a good basketball team that hasn't played well. I mean, that's the best way I can put it. You know, Jack Nungy came over from Iowa. He's a good player. Colby Jones, Paul Shruggs has been there forever, and I mean forever. They've had what Fremantle's been there. He's been a good player, but they just haven't played well down the stretch. My advice to you, sit this game out. Sit it out, hang out, enjoy another game. But I'm going to give you a preview of the Big East, DePaul and St. John's. Now, everybody tells me the coach at DePaul is the right guy. He's going to get it done. God, I hope so. Look, I grew up in northwest Indiana. Notre Dame, Marquette, DePaul. Those were the teams. I mean, DePaul was great back in my day. Teddy Grubbs, Terry Cummings, Mark Aguirre, Skip Dillard, uh, Randall. I mean, are you kidding me? Those were the teams. Those were the dudes. And so I've been wanting, number one, to be the head coach of DePaul my whole life. And number two, uh, I want DePaul to get good. Now, they got a little bit good when Pat Kennedy had the whole ATM thing going where players could just walk up and take out money from an ATM, allegedly. That was when uh, Quentin Richardson was there. Who knows? I don't know. But I do know this. I want them to be good. I don't know if they're good. But I know they're playing in the Big East against the St. John's team that I have seen enough to know couldn't be really good. Like St. John's is one of those teams they're not necessarily playing for an NCAA tournament bid. They're 8 and 11 in the league, 16 and 14 overall. So they're not going to be one of those uptight teams. But I will say this St. John's, St. John's got some guys that can go. And like all these teams playing in the first round, the last five games have not been nice to St. John's. They're 2 and 5, 2 and 3, but they have been good to DePaul. 
DePaul, listen to this, last time out, lost at UConn by seven. All right. But they beat the living hell out of Marquette. They beat St. John's at home a week ago. I'd take DePaul, give me the four and a half in this one, and my toes are going to be tapping, ladies and gentlemen. I ain't messing around. Why are we messing around? I ain't messing around. Are we trying to win? I think we're trying to win. Hey, Dan, why aren't you telling us about Syracuse and Florida State? I'll get to it. Relax. I mean, I got, you know, I got 10 more minutes of show here. What do you want me to do? Give you my A game? All of it? Right now? No. This show's too good. You got to hang in there with me. Okay. Let's talk about Syracuse and let's talk about Florida State. The thing you got to understand about Florida State is this. Florida State lost a bunch of players. I mean, Leonard Hamilton is battling through, battling through, battling through. But you know who don't care about that? Nobody. Nobody cares about this. Why would anybody care about this? I don't care about this. Here's two teams. Again, you're playing on Wednesday in your conference, so the last five haven't been good to you. In Syracuse's case, do you realize they've lost four of their last five? In Florida State's case, do you realize they've won their last three? Let me go through this just a little bit for you. Syracuse lost at home to a Miami team they never should have lost at home to or they never would have lost at home to in the past. Syracuse had a chance the game before to win a great road game at North Carolina. They lost it. In overtime, I watched that game. Syracuse was right there. Game before that, they got demolished uh, at Duke, and they got demolished at Notre Dame. Their last win came in overtime against Georgia Tech. This is a bad Syracuse team with a bad vibe to it. This game's at noon. I'm all in on Florida State in this game. Florida State's given two and a half. You know what I would do with that hook? I would tell that hook, adios, hook. Florida State has played enough, enough against Teams like, oh, excuse me, against Jim Beheim teams. Let me go through Florida State. So Florida State, their last three. They beat Virginia at Virginia. Now, you say, well, Virginia stinks. No, they don't. When you're playing college basketball, you go into Virginia and win? That's a hell of a deal, man. I mean, that's a hell of a deal. You don't just go into Virginia and win. I mean, the, the record for Virginia in Virginia has got to be like 90% wins in Paul Jones Arena or whatever the hell it's called. It's just got to be. I mean, don't at me about it either, people. It has to be. So at the end of the day, uh, I'm saying that's a big win, and I'm also saying there's a bad vibe going around Syracuse right now. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. I'm going to take the two, and I'm going to do it right in front of you on my app. I'm going to take the two. I'm going to take Florida State. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get my day off to a wonderful start. Make no mistake, Syracuse can put the ball in the bucket. And putting the ball in the bucket makes them dangerous. Why do you think they're always winning this time of year? They put the damn ball in the bucket. But if Buddy Bayheim ain't doing it, I don't know who's doing it. And I'm all about the vibe. And I hate to bet, I do, I hate to bet against Syracuse because I am a Jim Bayheim fan. Jim Beheim was so great to my wife, I can't even tell you, when she was a softball coach at Syracuse. All right, let's move it on. Steve Forbes, the coach at Wake Forest, got himself a contract extension. And in this day and age, you know what? Players actually pay attention to that. They do. 
I could not have for 17 years told you what I made at Indiana, told you what Bob Knight made at Indiana. Uh, we didn't know. Now everybody pays attention. Well, here's the deal with this game. Boston College has already played a game. They won yesterday. Now, people that don't know will say, well, they're tired. They ain't tired today. They may be tired if they win today and got to play again tomorrow, but they ain't tired today. This is going to be a hell of a game because I think Boston College has a little bit of a vibe to them. Earl Grant's done a really good job there. Like, I'm not saying the record shows it, but when I watched them yesterday, I got to tell you, I was kind of all in on Boston College. Here's your problem. Wake's pretty good. Like, Wake is no joke good, and they have a coach in Steve Forbes that knows his way around it. And I mean, when I say knows his way around it, really knows his way to get teams ready, knows how to get through tournaments. You know, East Tennessee State, I think, is where he was. I can't remember. Alondis Williams is not a good player. He is a great player. Uh, I think he's one of the most underrated, unheralded players in the country. He's averaging about 20 and 6, 7. I think he is terrific, and he assists. Like, you're talking about a guy that is leading the team. Listen to this. He's leading the team in points, rebounds, and assists. They also have a transfer from Indiana State, which everybody around the Midwest should have taken. His name is Jake LaRavia. Jake LaRavia is really good. He is a transfer, as I said, Indiana State, and he's come right in there, and he's been terrific. He's second on the team in scoring. He's leading the team in steals. He assists. He passes. He rebounds. He does everything you want a player to do as a forward. Now, having said this, I'm going to take the Demon Deacons tonight, but this is going to be a good game, I think. I think. Now, I have seen Boston College play really bad. I hope Boston College plays well. Because you know what I want today on the greatest of all days? I want good games. That's what I want. And I think you got a back-to-back doubleheader in, uh, in the Brooklyn today that is really, really interesting. And I think you're going to enjoy both games. I'll take Florida State, and I'll take Wake. I'll take them both on the money line, and maybe we do a little parlay just right there. Uh, Louisville, Virginia. <sighs> Louisville played well. Louisville played shitty in the second half. I'm going to take Virginia. I'm going to take them today. I'm going to take them tomorrow. I'm going to take them the next day. I'm going to take them till my damn hands bleed. See these hands? These are not the hands of a man. These are the hands of a guy that sits at a computer and reads Twitter all day. This is the hands of a guy that's typing. Used to be the hands of a guy that went out and worked. Nah, not anymore. Soft as a baby's ass I am, and I make no excuses for it. You know what I mean? I got, a, I got a mile workout in today, and I swear to God, you'd have thought that I climbed Everest. You'd have thought that I went up Vesuvius. Honest to God. If you're losing money all day, and you decide to make a bet to get it all back, I don't like necessarily the six, but I do like Virginia in this game. Put it on a money line. Six seems to be a lot. But here's the deal with UVA, all right? UVA is one of those teams that you never want to bet against. I don't care what they've done. I don't. Uh, Louisville played great yesterday. Louisville won 84-74. They were up, I thought it was 20-17 in the first half. Had that game gone another five minutes, it might have been tied. That bodes well for Virginia. Louisville, to me, they've got talent. They've got guys. But they haven't had leadership at all from the get-go. Nothing. 
Like, people can blame Chris Mack all you want, but all of a sudden, Chris Mack didn't get to Louisville and forget what the hell he was doing. Chris Mack had guys that are, eh. Like this Williams kid, eh. He had 14 last night, eh. 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 Didn't stand up for his coach. Gerard West, eh, he had 20. He's averaging six, but he had 20 last night. That's not going to happen again. I rescind. Take Virginia and take the six. All right, here's the deal. Uh, You can get more of this. I want to thank everybody who's been on the YouTube chat, everybody that's been on the Twitter chat, all my guys, uh, Ryan behind the scenes, and, of course, Dylan for sending me the homework. This is the greatest day. This is the greatest basketball day of the year. I know a lot of you like the first round of the NCAA tournament, but we're going to start right here at noon. Uh, Anyway, have a wonderful afternoon. If you want to hear more of me, all you've got to do is go to 1075thefan, 1075thefan.com. Our station has you covered. The Big Ten Tournament. Afterwards, I'm going out to dinner with a bunch of people. We're going to have a great day. I hope you do as well. I'm wearing my Dockage Cycles for the City shirt. All you got to do is go to indianasportscorp.org. Press it. Across the top, you're going to see Inspire Others. Press that. Dockage Cycles. Give us a few bucks. We've gotten over 600 bikes to kids across the city of Indianapolis. We want to continue. Thank you for your support. Have a wonderful Hoops Day, baby.